Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 9, Otherwise Engaged. And we're going to try something different this week. So Mary's going to tell us what happened, and then we're going to react while she's telling us what happened. So let's let's try that. Mary, what happened this week? Steve was a character. (laughs) (laughs) One of the KEG guys asked Steve to double date with him and some freshmen. I love how they talk to Steve like he isn't also a freshman. Anyway, Steve doesn't want to because Celeste will be mad. Steve goes to see his potential date, Laura Kingman. She's cute and her body double is a good dancer. Steve ends up going on the date. Steve also finds out that John Sears has been hooking up with some other girl while he waits for Kelly to make up his mind about dating him. Steve says that's fucked up, and honestly it is because Kelly is sure that John is patiently waiting for her to love him. John says Steve can't say shit to him about that because he went on that date with Laura. Okay, so I saw somewhere online that the guy that talks to Steve at the keg house about going on this date is named Keith. Did we ever get that name? We didn't. Um, I never heard it, or if it was said, I definitely didn't write it down or hear it. But also, that just makes this even better, because Keith is the name of Dan Scott's brother in One Tree Hill. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Whoever wrote One Tree Hill just watched 90210. Guaranteed he did. Guaranteed. I mean, they had to have. I, I bet if you went into like the One Tree Hill IMDb, it would take you... 30 seconds to find a 90210 reference that is not John Sears. Oh, I know. I mean, think about it. Brooklyn Nine-Nine even had a Beverly Hills 90210 reference, and I think we've talked about it before, and it was hilarious. I mean, everything. Everything can come back to 90210. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, like, yeah, because the first time we see Steve is literally right after the girls meet at the Peach Pit, and Kelly's just like, oh, yeah, me and John haven't gone on a date yet. Like, he knows I just got out of a relationship. He's not pressuring me for anything. And then we hear that John has been dating, like, at least two other girls. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like, why would John need to be, quote-unquote, patiently waiting or pressuring Kelly when he's got, like, two other girls to just have available, I guess. I mean, it's also totally what I expected, that scene, that first one from Steve, John, and apparently Keith was like totally what I expected out of frat houses, like objectifying women, encouraging, like bending the rules when it comes to relationships. And like, I know that's a big stereotype, but like it fits it. Right. Like when they were all talking, I did have a moment. I was like, I'm sure this isn't actually what happens at frat houses, but like it's a stereotype for a reason. So maybe. Yeah. Like where, who's to say it's not? I mean, to be fair, after the date, when I already forgot her name and I feel really bad, uh, comes out of the bathroom and is like, who's in charge of cleaning your bathrooms? It was an adventure. I was like, okay, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> like how dirty it would be. <laughs> that is absolutely true. And like how boys just at that age just have no idea what to do. I know. Steve was like, it's my job. It wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, Steve. Definitely wasn't. Yeah, I still can't believe like he was just forced to go on a date with a girl as like, I think they called it a pledge assignment or something. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sorry, what now? 
Well, and then when he goes to see her at the dance studio, which like my favorite part is when she sees him and like immediately grabs all of her stuff and is like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll get out of your way. Like Steve is not using this. Mm -mm. I would have died if he was just like, oh, yeah, thanks. I got to, you know, I got to get my interpretive dance on for the next hour. But like she even says, we don't have to go on this date. Like it feels weird going on a blind date. And he he's the one that pushes it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like the one that at the beginning is so weirded out by it by only in the sense that he has a girlfriend and he's already messed up with Celeste. So this would be like strike two or strike three at this point. Not the fact that like his brother is forcing him to go on a blind date with somebody. That's not the problem. The problem is he's already on thin ice with Celeste. But like, yeah. even still, she gives him an out and he's like, nah, you're hot. I'm cool with it. Yeah, he's literally like, we just met, so it's not a blind date anymore. And like, oh, I was so mad at him because I was like, Steve, these are really cute lines and I know this is going to be a really good date. Probably. And his big like excuse to the guys that he doesn't want to do this is because Celeste will know. Yeah, not that she'll like break up with him or that she he doesn't want to like um, do Cheat something. On her? Yeah, do something to like hurt her or whatever. It's like, oh no, she'll just know. She'll find out and she'll yeah. be mad at me and she'll break up with me. Not, I care about her and I'm not going to do that to her. Right, exactly. No, it makes him like so passive in this of like, I couldn't help it. They told yeah. me I had to do it. So mm-hmm. I did it. I like, know. Oh, I'm so mad. And Celeste, we've said this a thousand times at least, Celeste deserves so much better and I genuinely can't wait because she's going to find out. Definitely. Because like Steve knows she knows or Steve knows that she will know because she'll Mm -hmm. find out and that'll be strike two or strike three. I can't remember which one, but whatever it is, it's not looking good for old Steve-o. I mean, yeah, I think it would technically be strike two. I think it's no. strike three because the first one was um, the girl from New York and then the second one was at that pool party and now a blind date yeah. with a girl. Man, Celeste is putting up with so much. She's hella patient. I'm like, okay, so that's that's an interesting point. Celeste is obviously going to find out about what happened here, you know, whether Steve tells her or she finds out otherwise. But how is Kelly not knowing about all these other girls? Like, if this is the brother frat to her for her sorority, her sisters should be seeing him with all these girls. That's true. I mean, maybe John is just really smooth. Like, I mean, I know that's silly to say, but like, truthfully, maybe he's not even dating women in the other sorority. Like, what if it's just other people? I don't know. I mean, he's mentioned that at least one of the girls, because they were like, oh, you weren't at the gamma party last night. That girl mm-hmm. was all over me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because, God, what did he say? It was something really gross of, like, she was really dirty and I'm a dirty boy. Yeah. Or something. Also, he looked like in the scene he was wearing, like, a too small for him white undershirt that he just, like, went outside and rolled around in or something (laughs) because it was like a beige tan color but because it was of the way it was like positioned on his body it looked dirty and then it looked like it was too small for him it's like you know when you see a guy that wears a shirt that's way too small but their pants are like the right size so it makes it even more stark difference that's what it looked like (laughs) 
Well, he did say he was a dirty boy. Gross. I know. I hate it. I'm not going to say that ever again. Um, fun fact about Laura. Is that her name? Yes. Laura Kingman. Yes. Yeah, yes. Laura Kingman. She was in the TV series Scream and a couple episodes of Lost. She was in Scream? That's been on my watch list for a little while. It's so hokey but wonderful. I loved every minute of it. I mean, that's basically what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I love Scream. It's so good. Um, yeah, because he – so Steve – goes on this date with Laura and it's the double date with Keith and whatever that other girl's name is because I don't think we ever find out her name. And Keith even tells Steve that John Sears is out for the night. I think he says he's like out with another girl so his bedroom is open, which gross. Yeah, ew. Yeah, and Steve's just like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And he like goes and gets two beers. Laura comes back from the bathroom, and he's like, do you want a beer before I take you home? In which I'm like, you shouldn't be drinking before you take her home, mm-hmm. first of all. And then, yeah, it's like this whole back and forth. It's like kind of cute and flirty of like, what, do you have an early class tomorrow? And he's like, no. And then presumably they sit and drink the beers. But then the next day when he comes back, John Sears is like, so did you put my bedroom to good use? You got to tell me about it. Yeah, not only did you use my bedroom to have sex, but like details. I need details. It's like, <laughs> bro, what? Ew. What? That's, That's icky. So gross. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't want to think about your dirty bed sheets. Mm-mm. And ugh. I, again, with how dirty this house is, you know John's not cleaning them. Mm-hmm. Because he's making a pledge and... If the pledge is anything like Steve, it's not really getting thoroughly cleaned. <laughs> I'd be like, what? I, I threw water on it. That wasn't enough? Is that not what you're supposed to do? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, the other thing, too, is like when they're on the date, Steve makes a bad joke about the 1-900 numbers or something like that. She, he's like, oh, where did you find her? Which is like, bruh. Like, Steve wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for you and the person you're dating. But whatever and he's like oh i found her in one of those one nine hundred numbers and she laughs well at first she looked disgusted and then laughed i was like you just insulted her to her face but like over her to keith yeah you are talking about your date to keith and just assuming she's gonna be fine with this Mm -hmm. Ugh. yeah i wasn't a fan of that and then like no, everything about Steve was just like I was I I try so hard to like him. And he is like cute and flirty with Laura, which he shouldn't have been because he has a girlfriend who we just never see, who he mm-hmm. has been a dick about multiple times before. And he's trying so hard to get with these keg guys. But like so far, Keith made him go on a date and possibly, potentially, you know, whatever, sleep with this girl. And then he finds out that John is just like hanging out with Kelly while sleeping with a bunch of other girls and not really telling Kelly about that and like, you know, being open. And then Steve is just like, no, man, we're different people. Like, no, you're not. And I'm trying so hard to like you and you're being such a twat. I didn't write it down, but it was like that final conversation between John and Steve. And it's it's basically when John blackmails Steve and is like, I forget exactly what he said, but he's like, and I know that you went on that date or like something, something, something. Mm -hmm. And his voice 
the tone and the, the delivery of it was 1000% the Dan Scott that I know and hate. Like, <laughs> he could not have been more bone chillingly Dan Scott in that moment. And I was just like, that's him. It's him. <laughs> it's him. <laughs> just like chills. You're just mm-hmm. like, oh no, he's here. Because he has this, like, he does this, like, smirk thing where, but it's, like, I can't do it because I don't have his face. But, like, he puts his <laughs> lips together and he almost, like, purses them but doesn't because it ends up coming out. <laughs> Mary's trying to do it. But it, like, comes out like a smirk. And then what comes out of his mouth is something evil. And I'm, like, you are so evil and so good at it. So there's Dan Scott. And, I mean, I guess that's that's everything for Steve. Like, I swear to God, if Celeste does not find out and break up with him immediately, I'm going to be so mad. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even want to see another episode that she's not in, but they're together. Like, I need yeah. her front and center first minute of next episode breaking up with him. <laughs> I need it. It's what I need in my life. Same. All right, Mary, hit us with the next one. All right, so I think I want to save it like one of the Walshes for last. I can't decide because they're both such shit shows this episode. I'll just go with David for now. Poor David. (laughs) Oh, poor David. Jackie has decided to sue Mel for full custody of Aaron. She tells Kelly it's going to suck at her house for a while. And she's not wrong because David gets subpoenaed to give a deposition to Jackie's lawyers. Mel is allowed to be present at the deposition for some reason and accuses David of selling him out when David admits that Mel kind of sucks. He comes home to fight with Kelly some more, who leaves to go stay at Jackie's. David takes out his anger on Donna and tells her to leave too. Donna hugs him and David cries. I feel like this is another kind of example of a girl who is way too good for the guy. Like, I feel really bad for David in all of this. None Mm -hmm. of this is fair to him. Mm -hmm. But he's so mean to Donna, and she's just trying so hard. Yeah, I think you can tell, like, I think we've talked about it before probably, but, like, Donna's maturity. And it's not just – because, like, we've obviously seen her kind of blossom from, you know, this this person who has a learning disability but then find her niche when it comes to – like the stocks, you know, and like doing certain things in school. Like it's like, yeah, she might have a learning disability, but that doesn't stop her from understanding her strengths, things like that. But then we've also seen, I think in this this scene, or at least the last scene for David, but her emotional maturity and how she she's the mediator. She's the mm-hmm. in-between. She's almost like the kid in the relationship of Kelly and David, which I know they're siblings. I'm not trying to make it gross, but like yeah, she's but- kind of that go-between, which is what David is having to be with Aaron. And like, oh, speaking of Aaron, can we talk about how Aaron fell down in the sand? And she launched her toy. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, she just like chucks it and you actually hear it rattle on the pavement. And it was hilarious. She just, man, she needs to go into sports ASAP. <laughs> I know. Aaron just stole the show. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean, that's – so that whole first scene where, like, they're at the playground and Jackie is talking to Kelly and saying that she's suing for full custody and she's going to take Mel to court. And, like, it's – it made me really mad that Jackie didn't talk to David about it. Yeah. 
And you don't really find out about that until the next scene where this dude named Jerry comes to the door for David and David is essentially being served um, to have to do a deposition um, in this battle for the custody battle. And and it is really shitty that this is the way that he finds out because like, number one, it's not Kelly's responsibility to tell David, even though she probably should have. Um, but then, yeah, Jackie didn't tell him either. And obviously Mel didn't know this was coming. So the only person who could have and should have was Jackie and David deserves to know. And he it, finds out by some dude named Jerry. Yeah, I mean, he was living with Jackie after the divorce. He'd lived in her house for as long as they were married. Like, they had a, you know, a lot of growth in their emotional relationship. And then the way that these scenes were set up, it kind of felt like Jackie got Kelly out of the house when she knew David was getting served. Mm-hmm. So that, like, she, because, like Mary said, it's going to be really tough in their house. So, like, Jackie got her out of the immediate situation and then left David alone because, I mean, Donna's even just like, what's a subpoena? Yeah. Or whatever she says. Yeah, because they're still kids. Like, they're still 18 yeah. years old, 17 years old. Like, they're not supposed to know what all of this is. Like, this is grown-up stuff. Yeah, seriously, when David gets this piece of paper, like, honestly, I was amazed when he opened it and he just, like, knew, like, I mean, it was because it was in the script and this is how you develop it. But, like, this is a subpoena. I have to go give a deposition for Jackie's custody case. Mm-hmm. And, like, if somebody did that to me, I'd be like, can you tell me what's on this paper? Yeah, like, what is this regarding? I don't know what to do. What are my next steps? Like, I And then, yeah, like, the next time we see that story, I think, is when, like, Mel and his lawyer are telling David how to talk and are like, Mm -hmm. if you don't know what to say, just say, I don't remember because I can can work with that. Yeah, and David's even like, this happened two days ago. Yeah. And, like – this isn't fair to him. Mm-mm. This is like this is two adult men like hovering around this 17-year-old boy being like, "Look, you're going to say these things and it's not a lie, but it's going to help me keep this kid." Yeah, and this is kind of why I think like I think it's a very difficult position to be in to be like a defense attorney, not saying that this guy is one, but, like, if you have to defend somebody that, like, literally did something wrong, you essentially have to get people to either fudge the truth, you know, like, smudge it a little bit, make it a little unclear, or you have to just plant a little tiny seed of doubt. And I think Mel even says it later on, like, what about her and her cocaine addiction? Which, like, like, uncalled for, but in, in that case, like, He's going for everything he's got, right? Like, whether or not it's to get Aaron, which I think Jackie even says this, like, it's not even about Aaron, it's about his ego. It's like, Mm -hmm. he's already willing to say or do or get David to say anything to not just keep Aaron, but to make Jackie look horrible. And I know that's kind of the goal, because you need to prove why custody is important, but man, is it, like, gross and messy and disgusting. Yeah, I mean, he's basically willing to risk David's relationship with Jackie and Kelly Mm -hmm. in order to keep this kid. And then it's going to be so messy for poor Erin. Like, that's not fair to her. And, like, you know, there's – I don't know how all of this works. I've never really seen a custody battle, you know, up close and personal. But I feel like if he just showed he acted as a normal parent of, like, I set up a babysitter – I can't help that she didn't show up while I was gone and the baby didn't have a fever 
when I dropped her off with David. Mm-hmm. Well, the like, thing too is like, let's just say, and this obviously wouldn't be an ideal situation for Mel, but at least it's it's something that's more civil and it's more, I guess, mature. But it's like he could, like you said, lay it all out, just straight and plain, tell him exactly what happened, not even go to court, agree to Jackie having full custody, but petition to try to get like a a review after six months, after Mm -hmm. a year, whatever it is. Like there's ways and things that Mel could have done that made it about Aaron and not about if he's a good father or if Jackie's a bad mother. Like he literally could have said, okay, Jackie, you think right now you're the best parent for Aaron. I accept that. I hate it. I want to see my kid. What else can we work out? Can we do visitation? Can we do this? Can we do that? Mm-hmm. Like there's other other routes you can take. And I think that's what sometimes gets so lost in custody battles is because it ends up being about the parent and not about the child. Well, and that's really what happened when they actually get to the deposition is like the other lawyer is talking about how Mel cheated on Jackie and he cheated on David's mom and like his cheating on David's mom caused her to have a mental break, which first of all, that was the most leading question I've ever heard in my life that is so inadmissible. I can't even Mm -hmm. like finish the sentence. But I was thinking about it because then, you know, he starts talking about how Jackie used to like sleep around with all these guys before Aaron was born, Mm -hmm. that she did drugs before Aaron was born. And all I could think about was like, what about the time that he fucked up David's uh, like uh, financial aid stuff? And so David had to handle all of it. What about the time he gave a bunch of kids alcohol and Donna almost got kicked out of school? Like Mm -hmm. there are so many ways we can prove that he was a horrible father rather than a horrible husband. Right. Or, or had a drug addiction or, or something like that. Like that's, that's kind of the point. It's like you end up dredging up all these skeletons that aren't even relevant to what does or doesn't make a good parent. Yeah, no, it's exactly what you said. They weren't making it about Aaron. They were making it about each other. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as a result of that, David's getting thrown in the middle. Mel is screaming at him in this deposition. You know Aaron's going to get caught in the middle of more shouting matches. And all of that shouting and that negative energy and all of that is going to imprint on her little baby brain. And she's not going to be like, I fell in the sand, throw. Like, <laughs> she's not going to be that anymore. She's like, I fell in the sand because my mom and dad fought. Like, <laughs> she's going to see them fighting and she's going to throw herself on the ground and just be yeah. like, I fell in the sand. Right. Someone look at me. Stop exactly. fighting. Exactly. And like, that's what's so tough about it, too, is that you don't truly, like, when you're in the moment as Mel and Jackie, you're not seeing the impression that it's making on your kid. Right. And, and truthfully, the only reason Mel's able to see it on David, he kind of ignores it, but he, the only reason he sees it is because David is a 17 year old boy and Aaron is a toddler. So, and plus like one other thing too, is like cheating on your wife or dating your much younger hygienist. That doesn't make you a bad father. It doesn't like, it's not good behavior, but it doesn't make you a bad father. What makes Mel a bad father in this specific scenario is that he did not arrange for proper care for his daughter. He did not have a backup plan and he left on his weekend. Like Mm -hmm. he was irresponsible when it came to the fact that this was his weekend with his daughter. That shows 
flightiness. It shows inconsistencies. It shows being noncommittal. Like all of that makes him a bad father. Not the fact that he's dating a really young person. Like it's not. And that's not what Jack and I don't know what Jackie's trying to say. I mean, obviously the lawyer brought all that stuff up, but like, I don't know. The focus was just so far, which kudos to the writers because they got it so right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, this was all an argument between Mel and Jackie. This Mm -hmm. had so little to do with Aaron because yeah, Jackie even says it. She says it's about Mel's ego and Mel knows it's about his ego, but he can't lose. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. So like the only other part of that story is every time David comes home and Kelly's there, they get in these fights and Donna ends up in the middle of it. But the one at the end of the episode is the worst one because he gets home from the deposition and Jackie's sent over a casserole. And Kelly's like, oh, we're heating up this casserole if you want some. And he's like, I don't want anything to do with your mother ever again. You don't know what I just had to go through. You know, we got to the end of it and my dad looks at me and says, how could you do this to me? How could you sell me out? How could you sell me out? That's what it was. And like, like, are you serious? That's what what makes you a bad father. (laughs) Right. I was like, your relationship with your kid is so screwed right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to say it's done because like you can work to come back from that. But David's not going to want to have anything to do with you. Yep. Like, no. How do you expect him to be mature when you're not mature? Right? Like, how do you expect him to take up for you when you're not being a good person? I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, like, even when he's yelling at him in the deposition, like, that has to have dredged some stuff up because you can see David's face change and then, yeah, be like, yeah, my dad caused my mom's nervous breakdown. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you brought something. You yelling at him brought something up here. And now this poor kid who is already going through so much already and, like, Probably has a drug problem. Haven't talked about it in a while, but he did get those caffeine pills. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's just yelling at Kelly, and Kelly's getting mad at him, and Donna's caught in the middle. And then he says, I think I think you should shut up before I say something I'll regret. And then Kelly leaves. And then he starts crying because Donna won't leave him, which, like, God, Donna is so emotionally <laughs> mature. I love her. It's true. <sighs> poor David. Poor David. Mary? I think we should move on to something <laughs> different. Yeah. All right. Which Walsh twin do you want to hear about first? <laughs> I want to. He- I want to hear about Brandon first because I cannot end this episode talking about that nonsense. Okay. Yeah, agreed. Brandon runs to the gym super early in the morning, where he parks his ass on a machine and waits for Lucinda to show up. She arrives much later than he expected, so he complains. Then he talks about his dad in some weird way of flirting. Lucinda invites Brandon to her house for food and words. (laughs) Brandon tells Professor Randall that Deshaun doesn't want to study. See, Deshaun is determined to just skate by, and Brandon finds that irritating. He clearly wasn't (laughs) listening when Professor Randall told him that's all he expects out of this tutoring situation. Professor Randall asks Brandon to go see sports with him, but Brandon can't go because he has to go eat food and say words. Professor Randall says that's great and basically tells Brandon to have every sex he can. (laughs) Brandon goes to Lucinda's house. While admiring some masks on the wall, she mentions that she and her husband collected them together. 
You can see the gears in Brandon's head turns as he tries to decide if this is okay. He decides infidelity is not a problem because he's hungry for food that they made together, but also he's thirsty. <laughs> After dinner, Brandon and Lucinda are about to bang. He's excited, limbs flail, and suddenly a drink is spilled onto a photo album that's just out for some reason. He opens the album to dry up the spill and realizes he's about to bang Professor Randall's wife. Now that Brandon knows he knows the husband, he definitely decides infidelity is wrong. He leaves. Later, Professor Randall tells Brandon that his wife knows him and invites him over for dinner. Oh my god. Okay, first of all, I love I was dying at Brandon sprinting across campus so that he could be there the moment she shows up to work out. He sprinted through a track meet. <laughs> I know. With a leather briefcase. I was dying. And so I don't think it was actually the song that was playing on Hulu, but I looked it up and the song that was supposed to be playing was The Power of Love. Like Celine? Like Celine he Dion? No, uh, Huey Lewis in the News. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. But it was just like, the power of love. <laughs> the power of love. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? He's known her for two weeks. Hey, par for the course for the Walsh twins, gotta say. I can't believe they're not married already. Right? They can't. She's already married. <laughs> Oh my god. And then yeah, like Mary said, he just gets there at like 7.02 and she's not there yet. So he pouts and sits on like the little bench press machine or whichever one it was. And I was like, motherfucker, at least work out. Yeah, he doesn't even work out. He just sits there. Like what if somebody wanted to use that machine? No, I gotta, I gotta be right here. She uses that Stairmaster. I might <laughs> miss her. Gross. No, yeah, I literally said also stalker. Yeah, very like, much so. Bro, and, like, they think this is flirty because she won't give him her phone number, which now I understand why she won't give him her phone number. I was literally about to say the same thing. Like, now it all makes sense, like, why she didn't want to have him call her. Yeah, and so, like, I guess they work out together and, like, all of their flirting or whatever is just gross because he's like, well, I can't even see you as an academic. You're too whatever. I mean, she literally asks him if he's ready to break a sweat. And he says, you can work me as hard as you want. Ooh, everything. Everything was the stupidest line. Like, I don't remember what she says when she invites him over for dinner. And he's like, fortunately, I'm fluent in Aborigine. You, what? And I was like, that's, that's not flirting. That's not even a language. <laughs> And you're speaking to someone who is about to get her doctorate in anthropology. <laughs> she thinks you sound so fucking stupid. You silly little boy. <laughs> it, it reminds me of, um, I don't even remember what they're talking about in Parks and Rec when uh, Ben is just like, I don't have time to tell you how wrong you are. <laughs> Actually, I do because it's going to bug me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love him. I love him so much. Just like, no. <sighs> Stop. And then it, it it just keeps going. It gets worse. Because like, yeah, he shows up to the professor's office to complain about Deshaun. And this was my other favorite part. I I guess I really loved the Brandon storyline because <laughs> of how stupid it was. Because he's like, Deshaun doesn't want to learn. And I was like, 
we haven't seen you try. Yeah. We've seen you play basketball, not try to learn. Yeah. We see you keep showing up while he's at practice and being like, you have to stop practicing now. That's not how that works. No. And then, yeah, the professor is like, hey, I'm going out of town. You want these sports tickets? And he's like, no, I got sports of my own. (laughs) And then, yeah, the professor tells him to score and score often. And all I could think about is, like, this is so inappropriate for a student and a teacher to be talking about, and I'm dying. Also, now in retrospect, it's like, maybe the professor should – professor? Um (laughs) – (laughs) maybe the professor should take his own advice because clearly if his wife wants to or he wants to continue to have an open relationship but he doesn't know about it perhaps he should improve (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yeah when she's like he doesn't ask and i don't tell i was like does he not ask because he doesn't know exactly how could he that'd be like hey nate did you kill someone today like i have to ask that (laughs) because why would you tell me (laughs) Oh my god. I would love that. Just like, oh yeah. It's funny you ask. I never thought you would. <laughs> yeah, thank God you asked. I never would have told you. Like <laughs> just I just am imagining like just dinner conversations. So uh murder anyone lately? <laughs> no, did you steal a car lately? <laughs> yeah, like and then imagine if like I asked to get him to ask me the same question but he doesn't and so the conflict that would be in my mind of like well god i, I can't tell him he didn't ask <laughs> yeah like what is she expecting that he comes home from wherever he's going because she says he's far away so like he comes home and he's like uh you have sex with any of my students while I was <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah like how specific does he need to be like <laughs> does he just need to be like did you have sex with somebody that's not me or does it have to be like did you have sex with a senior? What about a junior? What about a sophomore? A freshman? A freshman? Was it Brandon? <laughs> it's like, uh, guess who? Except yeah. for sexual partners. <laughs> you get home and you sit down and you say, uh, is he bald? Yeah. No? You just have like a little thing to flip down every time you get one right. <laughs> and the real man she slept with is somewhere in there. Hey, but now he doesn't have the Bart Simpson cut anymore. It turned back to his normal quaff. He also switches out of the chain in this. Oh, I didn't even notice. It's still a different necklace. It's a little more like a Shelly kind of a necklace. Has he gone full douche and done the puka shell? It's not the puka shells. I don't know exactly how you would describe it, but I did write like he, he traded his chain for a different necklace. Oh, my gosh. Because, yeah, he's, like, over there, and she (laughs) – I think I love that she picks up, like, a giant potato. And it's just, like, take a bite of this. Like, most people give you, like, a little spoon of sauce. And Mm -hmm. she's just, like, potato. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) Is that what that was? I assumed so. I thought it was, like, like, smashed fried potato. I thought it was, like, a biscuit or something. (laughs) It's, like – it didn't look appetizing. It just looked like a little brown circle. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, it's got to have been like a plantain or a potato or a biscuit or like something. And she was just like, is this too spicy? And then they just start making out and. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. I just photographic memory this scene. <laughs> and the fact that 
he's just, or she's like, how is it? And he's like, I don't know. You tell me. And I'm like, are you, are you putting that food in her mouth with your mouth? <laughs> he's baby birding her. <laughs> so gross. Sorry. Oh my God. No, that would have been so perfect. <laughs> but no, okay. I think we have met our match though. Lucinda also likes to eat face. I know. Oh my God. It this was, was intense. Wide open, both mouths just devouring each other. <laughs> and then like she breaks apart and she's like, we have to stop or we won't make it to the main course. And I'm gonna be honest, I don't have like any quotes of the week because all I wrote down was the stupid shit Brandon said. Cause then he says, No matter how many hors d'oeuvres I sample, I never seem to get full. What? That doesn't make any sense, Brandon. Does that mean you like foreplay better than you like sex? Does that mean that you like to edge really good? Like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. I would, I would die if Brandon was into edging. That's what that tells me. <laughs> I mean, think about it. He never gets full. He's never, he's never you, you know... <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I think I think he's saying that so that when they actually get down to it, he doesn't have to admit like, oh, I'm really bad at sex because I can never actually seem to get anyone to have sex with me. Fair. Like, it's been a while since a mm-hmm. girl has actually committed to having sex with him. That's true. And even now, she's still – like, they never actually make it across the finish line because – yeah, she, like, pulls them apart. They go into the dining room to eat, and this is, yeah, where she mentions that she's married. And, like, how does he not get mad that she didn't lead with that? Like, I would feel kind of blindsided. I think it's mostly because she's an older woman, and Brandon loves older women. So it's one of those things, like, maybe he should have expected it. So he's like, eh. I can work with that because like it's more street cred for him it boosts his ego is his ego right like i i don't know i mean because he does get very like you can't believe it because i know the guy like cheating's bad like once he finds out who it is but up until then he's like you're hot enough okay good we're good yeah no i mean like when she says husband and then that he's really far away like yeah brandon's just like oh so he's like not gonna walk in and see my butt yeah. <laughs> uh, also, can we talk about how after dinner they're sitting on the couch and Brandon is drinking again? Like oh, I'm yeah. never gonna not see it. I'm never gonna not see it. Mm-hmm. Cause he knocks over his glass of wine, and yeah, that's when he sees like the idea that he opens the book to clean off the wine is like the right thing to do, not something I expected Brandon to do. But then, yeah, he sees that he knows the guy. And, like, it, the idea that it took him putting a face to the man he would be, like, and then I feel like he doesn't even, he doesn't even decide, like, that's why I shouldn't cheat. It's more just, like, I know him. He's my professor. He has power over me. And then he, like, goes into a lecture about why it's wrong. It's like, homie, you don't think she's done this before? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then when she calls him a silly little kid, I honestly expected him to just be like, I am not a silly little kid, and then sleep with her. Well, true. Right. Like, (laughs) let me prove you wrong by sleeping with you. Yeah. Instead, he's like, I'm not a silly little kid. A silly little kid wouldn't do this. And then he leaves. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my god, I wish that's how he talked. <laughs> I want to dub over that scene. Oh my god. I'm in. <laughs> what was that thing? It was like the um that app that was really popular for a while where you just like lip sync to it. It's like I need that in like, reverse. Dub smash or something? Yeah, dub smash. It's like you could take a quote or something from like any TV show and like you would yeah, but we need that in reverse. We need the video with my voice. We can do it. Okay. Yeah, we can figure it out. <laughs> and, okay, yeah, because then the next, the last thing we see for this storyline is, yeah, when Brandon's back on campus whenever and the professor, like, calls him over and is like, oh, I uh, heard you met my wife. And Brandon looks like his stomach fell out of his butt. <laughs> yeah like your wife lucinda lucinda you work out together oh lucinda (laughs) oh man good times i I feel like this can't be right but i swear this is the first time they've ever said her name like i'm i feel like they've had to have said it at some point but i haven't heard it i had to (laughs) google it (laughs) this episode and last episode I think she might have said her name once, either at the gym or afterwards when he ran into her drinking coffee, but, like, that's it. hmm Yeah, it was only said, like, once. Yeah. And then I – God, how funny would it be if Brandon literally didn't remember her name and he was like, Lucinda. I don't know anyone named Lucinda. <laughs> that's what I choose to believe. Like, he wasn't even playing dumb. He's just like, who's that? <laughs> oh, your wife. Yes. Yes. I know your wife. Yes. From from the gym. Yes. What a freaking power move by Lucinda to just be like, hey, invite that kid from your class to dinner. <laughs> I, I need to see the dinner. I need to. And I need to see Lucinda doing, like, mildly inappropriate things with her meal. To Brandon, like at oh, Brandon. I want footsie. Yeah. Yeah. I want her to like suggestively lick a spoon and like make eyes at him. I want her to like stick her fork in something circular. <laughs> and just... Repeatedly. Just and feed then... her a biscuit. <laughs> feed him a biscuit. Oh my God. She makes the exact same meal. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. And she like asks professor randall if it's spicy enough for him or whatever she said and what if he's just like yeah it's a bit too spicy like (laughs) (laughs) like yeah come on why'd you put so much spice in it you know i don't like cumin (laughs) it's guatemalan (laughs) (laughs) oh my god no i need it i need it so bad and i really need him to be like oh yeah i'm traveling a lot so like you know brandon It'd be really nice if you would just like keep an eye on her at the gym while I'm gone. It'll be I good know. to have a man around the house. Yes, exactly. Gotta use the words man around the house. <laughs> Always gotta. <laughs> she should be like, hey, uh Mr. Randall, I don't know his first name. <laughs> I don't think we have I don't think we have it. He looks like a Jeff. Someone call him a Jeff. <laughs> hey Jeff, do you uh do you, did you realize that Brandon here is fluent in Aborigine? <laughs> and then he's probably like, oh, no way. Well, you guys should do a, like a, a study or something alone when I'm away. 
No, I really, I want him to be like, what did you do while I was in Pittsburgh last week? Mm-hmm. Hey. Not tutoring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Deshaun didn't want to be taught. Oh, my gosh. And I loved when they were at the house. And she was like, oh, you're Deshaun Hardell's tutor? And I was like, oh, so you know he's garbage. Mm-hmm. He's bad at his job. <laughs> uh, it uh, sounds like Jeff, which that's what we're calling him. It sounds like he's a talker because if it's to the point where like Lucinda just doesn't tell him anything if she doesn't ask it, then he's probably just like talking all about his day and she's probably like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, that's nice. And then they're done. Like, turn off the light. All right, let's go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, like he talks from the moment he gets home until the moment they go to bed and he's like, and that's how I spent my day. Right after that, I walked in the door to see you. Good night, honey. Lights exactly. off. Roll over. Exactly. Every day. That's how Lucinda already knows about Brandon. Man. What a journey. I can't wait. I can't wait for this to play out. It's it's going to be fun. Okay. I mean, it's it's just Brenda, right? Yeah, and just Stuart. Brenda. Stuart. <clears throat> All right. Brenda wakes up and she's still engaged. Stuart calls to check if she still likes him and also invites her to lunch at his job. Before she can leave, Jim demands to know if she's pregnant because they cannot figure out why the fuck she is doing what she's doing. <laughs> Brenda acknowledges that Jim and Cindy are unhappy with her decision to marry Stuart, but she tells them it's going to be okay. At the construction job site, Brenda witnesses Stuart yell at Mari, an employee. She also sees Mari yell back. Stuart apologizes and introduces Mari to Brenda as if the last five minutes never happened and they're best friends. Stuart tells Brenda that being rich makes him feel better about getting yelled at and calls it perspective when really it's superiority when you get to go home and feel better about your life because you have money and they don't. Later, he brings her to a hotel he rented for a month. He tells her she can just hang out there whenever. While looking for a pen to write something down, Brenda finds a prenuptial agreement in Stuart's briefcase. She gets mad and leaves. <clears throat> she goes to talk to Brandon about it, who rubs his date in Brenda's face before Brenda tells him about the prenuptial agreement, which Brenda apparently somehow read even though she didn't take it with her when she stormed out of the hotel room. It apparently says that she doesn't get any of the Carson's money if they get divorced. Brenda decides that means that Stuart doesn't really love her. Brandon says that logic is dumb, and I agree. But then he encourages her. Uh, but then he encourages her to break up with Stuart, and I don't like that. I can't help it. Stuart grew on me. <laughs> Brenda decides to go listen to a poetry reading at school to take her mind off all of her engagement drama. Dylan is there reading poetry, not his own, just a poem he likes. <laughs> he tells Brenda the poem reminds him of her. Now is a good time to mention that Jim tried to get Dylan to use his influence to make Brenda not want to marry Stuart anymore. Dylan does indeed try to use his influence to make Brenda not want to marry Stuart anymore. He implies that he's still interested in making Dilda happen. Brenda is not having it. She storms away again to go yell at Jim and Cindy and then storms away some more back to the hotel room to sleep and also sign a prenup. I, oh, I guess like you got to start at the beginning, but I have so much to say about Jim. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. Okay, yeah, because they – I love that they 
they start with her waking up and he calls her to be like, do you still love me? But it's the idea that he is at work and she is in her childhood bedroom because she still lives with her parents because she's 18. Mm -hmm. And like, that is not her own phone line. They talked about getting Brandon his own phone line. That is not her own phone line. So like, what if Cindy picked up the phone and had to be like, Brenda, Stuart's on the phone for you. Oh my God. So <laughs> awkward. Like, uh, it's just so obvious that they're 24 and 18. Mm-hmm. I hate it. <laughs> well, and I mean, then like speaking of the awkward age gap is like Jim and Cindy are talking downstairs like why could they possibly be engaged right now they've only known each other for now three weeks or two weeks or whatever it is and Cindy thinks she's pregnant and Jim's like oh she would never she hasn't had sex once except that one time she would tell us if she was having sex like anyway (laughs) (laughs) but then she comes down and he's immediately like are you pregnant and she's like what? She's like, I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. <laughs> and then Cindy is sitting there being like, but just look at all the things you hate about Stuart. <laughs> you don't know them yet. You don't know about his imperfections, which I kind of feel like is throwing shade on Jim of like, look at this irrational, brash, yelly man that I married. He's got hair on 90% of his body. <laughs> <laughs> Only place he doesn't is his head. But I said, okay, that doesn't matter. <laughs> but I said, Okay. <laughs> not yes okay <laughs> oh Nate gets so mad at me when I say okay instead of yes <laughs> <laughs> I hope you didn't do that when he proposed oh n- I, who knows I was like a freaking mess the whole time but oh. yeah oh my god I just I remember that you guys were like across the street from a professional photographer and like yep. nothing it, I'm so glad it didn't happen and glad you guys are happily married and together forever, but nothing would have made me laugh harder than like this guy being like, oh my God, I have to capture this moment for them and turns around and then like you just hear, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. You said okay? <laughs> that would be amazing. I will but forever I be waiting for an engagement announcement that just said, she said okay. <laughs> and so now they're engaged. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Maybe. But yeah, I mean, the only thing that Jim says here that, like, I agreed with was, like, if you love him now, can't you wait six months? Because, I mean, even that's short, but at least oh, it's yeah. more time to, like, actually get to know each other. That's the thing. You can have a really long engagement. Mm-hmm. Like, that's totally fine. Like, Six months is really short. I think we did it in like 14 months and I probably still needed like two or three more. Yeah, we did a year and a half and there was only a couple of times when I was like, okay, I'm ready to be done with this. Oh my God, so many times. I just kept being like, Vegas is an option. Mm-hmm. We could just do that. But yeah, so Stuart and Brenda, to Jem's point, could have just had a long engagement. We don't really actually know how long their engagement's going to be because they haven't done any planning yeah well because like isn't that the next thing at the peach pit where they're like do you guys have a date yet and she's like Mm -hmm. oh yeah if it was my parents like they'd say 2016 or 2013 or whatever they said 2016 yeah that's crazy yeah and I was like oh damn that's like so close to us I was gonna say that's the year I got married so that's oh that's the year I got married Mm -hmm. I was gonna say if it was the year I got married it was also the year you got married (laughs) I never remember I still have to do the math 
I got <laughs> engaged that year. Hey, love was in the air. So hey, maybe, maybe, Brenda maybe 2016 would have been a really good year for Brenda and Stuart. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just I feel like this was a really weird moment for Nat to just be there. I don't remember him even being there. While they're looking at her ring, and he, they're like, that's not a ring, that's a rock. And he's oh, like, let yeah. me just say this. If you and your fiancé ever want to buy a diner. <laughs> I was like, Nat, why are you here? Yeah, I totally missed that. I, that doesn't even spark a single memory. <laughs> it, was, it was just pointless. It was so pointless. That's funny. And then, like, yeah, we don't see them again for a little while, but Jim has had to go to work. And he's handing Dylan papers to sign. He's like, here's for your insurance. Here's for your bonds. Here's for this. Here's to make you more money. Also, can you tell my daughter that you want to sleep with her so that she'll break up with her fiance? Literally, like, he's like, oh, yeah, I might go down to Baja and don't worry. No stowaways this time. And Jim's like, I kind of wish you were taking Brenda. It's like, I'm sorry. So now you're going to basically backhand apologize for getting pissed off when Dylan did whisk your daughter away to uh, Baja. And now you are choosing Dylan? What is happening? And the irony of it is you and Brenda fought so much when she was dating Dylan, she also moved out. Mm -hmm. That was no better. Mm -mm. Like, did he forget that? She literally, like, ran away after he forbade her from seeing Dylan after they went to Mexico. But it's so nice they can laugh about it now. They actually did have a pregnancy scare. Mm -hmm. Like, Jim is literally doing, like, the devil I know. Oh, yeah, for sure. That is exactly what's happening. And it made me so mad that Dylan went along with it. Like, yeah, and I mean, the only reason he went along with it is because he knows Stuart. And, like, granted... I totally understand him not liking Stuart and him wanting to convince Brenda not to be with him because of those reasons, but not the way that he went about it, not the way that he tried to convince her, like, because it's false. It's completely a lie. Yeah, because, like, we see them at the poetry reading and he, like, takes her to the coffee shop and says, your parents are really worried about you, which is where she figures it out. And, like, yeah, why didn't he just say, like, this is what you need to know about Stuart? Like, you need to ask him about his past. Mm-hmm. I know him. I was there. I, you know, you've seen what I've struggled with with recovery. You have to know that that's going to happen with him too or whatever. Right. Exactly. But, like, yeah, it has to come from a more genuine place rather than your dad and I talked over my piles of money this morning and he asked me to seduce you. Exactly. It doesn't make any sense. But then it's like before we even get to the fight between Brenda and Jim and Cindy and even the poetry reading, basically like this is when Brenda goes to construction site to have lunch with Stuart and sees, like Mary said, sees Stuart like totally laying into Maury about some steel shipment or something. And Maury yells back at him and he calls him pissant, which now I love that word. (laughs) Piss dash ant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's like, no, I don't take orders from your you. I take orders from your father. So if mm-hmm. he wants to come tell me something, he can come tell me something. And yeah, like the fight just basically breaks up because Brenda's there. And I guess Stuart's like, I don't want you to see this side of me. So, you know, Mari, come meet my fiance. And even Mari's like, bruh, she's 18. Mm-hmm. 
Like, yeah, even he oh. can tell, and he's uninterested because also Stuart is not his friend. They just got in a big fight. Like, this is not, and I think too, in, in hindsight, it's like this is just one of the cases that they're trying to make that Stuart is not all he's cracked up to be. And then number two comes the prenup, um, which mm-hmm. we get to, which technically isn't necessarily Stuart, it's his family, but you can see what like marrying Stuart comes with. Yeah, well, because like before they get to the hotel when he's apologizing to Brenda and he's like, I think Maury resents me because I'm rich and Maury's poor and he has to go back to a house in the valley where he can barely afford it. It's like, Stuart, what the fuck? And then I was like, yeah, I don't think people hate you because you're rich. I think people hate you because you talk like this and then you leave work in the middle of the day to go bone your 18-year-old fiancé in a hotel room. Oh, totally. And like trying to sound sincere about perspective and about, oh, I have privilege. But in reality, it's like you're just commenting on somebody else's circumstance that you can then jump off of and get an ego boost from. And then she buys it. Right. She's charmed by this. Yeah. And like she's just like, oh, my God, you're so sweet. You're so Mm -hmm. smart. And then, yeah, they go to the hotel and she (laughs) decides that she wants to write Brenda Walsh Carson on pieces of paper rather than have sex which I feel like I can't prove that that's what they would have been doing but I feel like Stuart would have been like I mean you could do that later yeah that that can wait until you sign the prenup oh well and (laughs) like the fact that she finds it and she gets so mad that he hasn't presented it to her yet and then that he doesn't like outright say that he was going to argue with his family over it so she leaves and accuses him of not loving her like Mm -hmm. Girl, he is um, at least a millionaire with that house, possibly more. And you are 18. Like, Yeah, and, and I think, too, it's like I know prenup usually has like a negative connotation. But if you think about it, it's like not really that big of a deal. No, I I have no problem with prenups. Like, John and I didn't sign one because neither of us had anything. Like, if anything, I had more than him just because I had positive and he had student loans. So, like, mm-hmm. technically negative. But, like, it was like I have $5 and he has negative $10. Like, <laughs> he had nothing. But, like, you know, we've talked about it of, like, I if it ever became a point where one of us was, like, really disproportionately supporting the relationship, like – we consider a post-nup. Like, mm-hmm. do you know how many marriages end in divorce? Like, I think if you can look at it practically and not say, of, like, you're expecting our marriage to end in divorce, like, mm-hmm. that's what you need to be doing. Yeah. And like you said, if somebody is that disproportionate in, in terms of income, like, or even just assets in general, like, it doesn't necessarily have to just be, like, salary or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's, like, it's just smart. It's, like, if push comes to shove and you and that person – end up getting a divorce it's just practical well and like guess what divorces are messy you might love somebody unconditionally now but then like the mel and jackie thing happens and all of a sudden you can't stand each other and you can't amicably separate Mm -hmm. and now you have to figure out how to separate your shit and it ends with jackie having to sell her house and suing for custody like right things just happen and i think like you have to separate, like, love from legality. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I have no issues with prenups in any way, shape, or form, and I was so mad at her for this entire episode, literally up until the point that she calls the notary in the hotel later and is like, 
or she calls the front desk and asks if they have a notary to sign it. And then she's like, you know, I had to think about this, but I love you and you love me, but our families don't know each other. So I'm going to sign this and then we're never going to need it. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the, that's the hope, right? Mm -hmm. And she's a hundred percent right. Like in the beginning, it shows her immaturity by saying, Oh, this means Stuart doesn't love me. And then now by the end of the episode, it shows her realization of, oh, no, this isn't actually a bad idea. This is what adults like, do. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, we really don't know each other that well. So this is probably a good thing. It's also my favorite part where she's like, our families don't know us. And I was like, no, none of you know each other. What is Stuart's <laughs> middle name? Right. Stuart. Like, <laughs> Stuart, Stuart Carson. <laughs> Please. It's like, what if he introduced her, himself to Brenda that way where he's like, Stuart. Stuart Carson. And what if she like <laughs> understood it as Stuart Stuart Carson? I want it to be real. <laughs> In my mind, that that's canon. Oh, totally. Stuart Stuart that's, Carson. That sounds right because like ridiculously wealthy people name their kids weird shit all the time. So <laughs> he has seven names and they're all Stuart. <laughs> oh man. Oh, but like so. Okay, I feel like we kind of got like all jumped around. So she she wakes up in the morning, she talks to Jim, she goes to the construction site, they go to the hotel where she gets mad about the prenup. She goes home where she talks to Brandon about the prenup, and then he's like, Well, break up with him. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Nobody understands prenups. Nope. And then she goes to the poetry thing where Dylan essentially propositions her. And like they think so little of her that they're like, Well, if you marry him, we'll never stand a chance. What's Rubs. like, uh, I wanted Brenda to like slap him sort of like, not really, but like maybe verbally or something because like, how dare you? Like right. you cheated but, on me. And like, luckily she does get to do that to Jim and Cindy later, but that is a really good point that like, we just keep brushing things under the rug that like Dylan cheated on her with her best friend. And that's mm -hmm. why they like fully 100% broke up, which again, fantastic reason to sign a prenup. Yeah, right. <laughs> just, and then like, yeah. So after all of that happens, she is like incensed by what she's just learned and she goes home and I felt so bad for Cindy because Cindy and Jim are sitting there and are like, let's come in, let's talk rationally. And Brenda's just like, uh, no. Do you know what happened? And then, like, the idea that she has to be like, Dad, did you realize, like, what did you think would happen if I went for it and I broke off this engagement and I got back with Dylan and then I found out that our whole relationship was built on this lie that you asked him to build? And, like, Jim is like, oh, shit, I didn't think about that. And Cindy is just like, uh, honey, <laughs> did, did, did you have a conversation that you didn't tell me about? Yeah. Uh, like, that's the I, thing. It's like the same parallel where it's like Jim never expected Brenda to find out, I yeah. guess. And like he got so offended when she was yelling at him. It's like, we all know what you did. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Ugh. I, I just, I hate, I hate Jim. I, I don't know. I'm not feeling real Jim friendly right now. And I'm curious how Cindy is going to respond to all of this stuff because there have been several times where she's like, I'm siding with Jim. Yeah, well, that and where she she's the last one to know. 
mm-hmm. you know, like she always finds out late and then still sides with Jim. So it's like, I'd be really interested to see if Cindy like actually sides with Brenda or is neutral. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know where she'd go with this. Like, I feel like she just has to be Switzerland and just like, not in this. Y'all figure your shit out. I will make the pot roast on Sunday. Yeah, because it's not even like Cindy is like necessarily she's not happy about it, but she's not actively doing anything to ruin it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and like Brenda storms out, she's staying at the hotel, and then the next morning, Dylan is at the Walsh's house, apologizing. It's like this is my fault that she left. Like, no, like, it's not, not. Jim. I mean, you didn't help, but right. if we're gonna like trace this back, Jim did it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> we get to the hotel and like she's signing the paper. She takes them to the construction site. And again, another real great part of this episode where Stuart is just like, I called the hotel. You didn't answer. Like, just go. True. You have a key. Mm-hmm. Technology challenges back in the 90s, man. <laughs> He's just like, I called. She didn't answer. I she Obviously, she's not there. It's not like she was sleeping or taking a shower or ignoring the phone. Stuart Stuart Carson, not always the smartest one. Oh, Stuart. And then, yeah, like she hands him the signed notarized prenup. He's like, I'm going to tear this up in six months. Like, Well, I mean, you might be because I still don't believe that this marriage is actually (laughs) happening. But we'll see. We will. And I do think it's interesting how she's how the and and I don't remember exactly how long it is until Shannon Doherty leaves the show but I do I do find it a little interesting that they're like kind of laying the breadcrumbs for it you know like Mm -hmm. laying the foundation a little bit like let's make her mad at Jim let's make her isolated from Kelly or or it's not really Kelly anymore but like you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like I mean definitely never gonna happen yeah so oh Speaking of Kelly and Dylan, I totally forgot about this one part that, like, didn't need to be in this episode. There was no point for anything, but (laughs) they're talking about Stuart and Brenda, and Kelly goes, a little jealous, are we? And Dylan goes, wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's my quote of the week suggestion. (laughs) Just wrong. That is incorrect. That is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I got. Everything else I wrote down was just Brandon. I mean, truthfully, yeah. Like, the only quotes I wrote down were the gross ones, so. (laughs) I can't even choose one. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm wrong, so. Mary, did you have a guess? Even though Um, I didn't technically have one? (laughs) I'm giving a shout out to the quote um, at the top of the article for this episode on the fandom wiki. um, Because it, like, I was literally like 10 minutes from the end and I Googled it to find out Lucinda's name and then clicked on this thing and then right in my face is, if you marry this guy, Bren, you and I will never have another chance, Dylan. And I was like, God damn it. I was so mad. That's awesome. We'll go with that. (laughs) I want to hear all the quotes you wrote down. Okay. I wrote down. (laughs) Did you write down, fortunately, I'm fluent in Aborigine? I wrote that one down. 
I wrote, are you ready to break a sweat? You can work me as hard as you want. Score. And score often. Did not write that one down, but that's a good one. I wrote down... Pissant. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't ask. I don't tell. So you Um, didn't write down, no matter how many hors d'oeuvres I sample, I never seem to get full? That was too gross for me. And it didn't make sense. (laughs) It didn't make sense. And I had to sit there and remember how to spell hors d'oeuvres. But by the time I got that far into it, I was like, well, I'm just going to write the whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) Um... Is that all I, I wrote? Where was that like a reference to all of his girls of the week? I mean, I guess it was, but like I think he was trying to talk about his own virility, which like yeah, I totally like, get. Yeah, like he's trying to be like I don't care how many chips the Mexican restaurant gives me. I I still eat my quesadilla. Like <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, what if he said that? <laughs> I would have liked it more. I can eat all the bottomless chips they provide. You ever hear about Olive Garden and their bottomless breadsticks? Oh, my God. It's truly bottomless. (laughs) I'll never be able to find it again. John sent me this tweet. Hold on. I have to find it because this is so fucking relevant. Um, But it was, like, right before Thanksgiving. And I'm pretty sure the woman who tweeted this was, in fact, a woman. So I was very confused the whole time. But, okay, here it is. For straight couples, there is one key difference between sex for the male and for the female. A woman gets a penis inserted into her while a man gets to insert his penis into someone else. That's all nice and good, da-da-da-da-da. But from what I've discovered, only one gender has to save room in her body if a penis is to go into it. Meaning that sometimes, if you've eaten a hearty meal, there isn't enough room for a penis. What? (laughs) Oh my god. You know the saying, you can always make room for dessert? Well, you can't always make room for dick, especially if you've eaten dessert. Oh, my God. (laughs) Is that? Is it bad that I find that relatable? Because if I'm really full, I don't want to do anything. I mean, like, like, yeah. But also, like, I never thought about it in terms of, no, I physically can't. I can't. (laughs) And, like, it won't fit in there. I'm going to be honest. If John eats a pie, he's also going to be full and not want to do anything. Right. So I've never tested the theory, but now I kind of want to. <laughs> but like, yeah, now, oh God, now I'm just going to relate that quote to Brandon. <laughs> oh no. I can eat so many bottomless chips, but I don't have to save room. I still eat my whole quesadilla. <laughs> well, on that note. Yeah. What's next week? Next week is, oh my God kind of a funny title in regards to what we were just talking about it's season four episode 10 and did it my way before dessert (laughs) (laughs) after dessert it was just weird (laughs) i was so full (laughs) she was too it was weird (laughs) like it's weird that there's no pronoun it just says and did it dot 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 my way not, well, and I did it my way. Also, why say, is the dot, dot, dot? And isn't there a song that's like, and I did it my way? That sounds right. Yeah. No, that's a thing. And it's like, hold on. I did it, dot, 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 my way. Frank, Frank Sinatra. Sinatra. Hmm. Oh. oh is that's the song my way, about. is the song my way banned in the Philippines? Oh, God. 
Yes. That's on what did you find? The so-called My Way killings have led to many bars in the karaoke-obsessed country removing the song from their playlists amid fear of violence. Oh, my gosh. Apparently, wow. if you sing My Way at a karaoke bar too many times, at least six people have been killed in the last decade. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that was in 2010, so at least six people were killed in the last decade. But damn. That's crazy. But 90210 wasn't thinking about that when they named this episode. I wonder if that's why they took out the pronoun. <laughs> Could be. Like, you can't be associated with this. Mm-hmm. That's funny. God, Brenda's going right. to be stupid. It's oh, got- yeah. It's, it's got to be about Brenda. It's Brenda. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that week, that's next week, and maybe we'll talk less about being too full for dick. <laughs> yeah. Hope so. <laughs> um. Until then, if you want to, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Where? On Twitter and Instagram. How? What handle? <laughs> At Batu Podcast. <laughs> I'm like who says this I don't know it's it's, I it's been a long time (laughs) yep you it's add back to podcast if it wasn't abundantly clear and you can send us emails too if you ever want to um fact check us you don't have to but you could and then send us fun things to say or talk about it. Or if you like the format, let, definitely let us know that because that was kind of fun for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe, like, rate, review, share, all that kind of fun stuff in your podcast apps. Uh, all of those reviews and ratings really help us get seen. And we really like seeing them there. And don't forget, we'll shout you out if you do send us something. Um, we'll, we'll make sure to give you that shout out because you took the time out to give us a shout out. Yeah. So that's all the different places you can follow us and you can hear us next week. So from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm Lucinda. I'm Stuart Stuart Carson. I'm Mary. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of a name. I was like... Mr. Mr. Hutchins? Professor <laughs> Randall. That's his name. I feel like, I was gonna say, I feel like half the names in this episode were made up anyway. Jeff, yeah. Keith, <laughs> Lucinda. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> <laughs>